Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Talk Social to Me and welcome to 2024. Guys, we did it. We made it. Um, Today, Ben and I are just doing a little catch up. We're talking about everything that's kind of been released over the past few weeks while we've all been on a little bit of a break. And there's some trend reports or some prediction reports that we're going to kind of break down for you from Meta, Facebook and Instagram. And there's some new releases that have happened while we've been gone. So we're just going to do a big old catch up. So grab your coffee or you know what? I think you're probably going to be on a walk for this wherever you're listening to this. We hope you enjoy. Let's get into the episode. Hello, hello, Ben. Welcome to 2024. Happy New Year, Mackenzie. It's been like a year since I've seen you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's such a good joke. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. That one at all. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's pretty original, pretty fresh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like you're the trendsetter of 2024. So today's episode, we're not going to do our typical highlights of like people to follow or give you like a flicks tip. We're just going to talk about all the new social media news and kind of just do a run through of little things that you might have missed over the Christmas and holiday break. Happy New Year's, everybody. We hope you had a good one. While there hasn't been a ton of social media news, I feel like everybody actually took a proper break this year. There is a few things that I, we think that you should know. And so, yeah, we're just going to get right on into it. Let's do it. So this is something that I've kind of been curious about. And I'm interested about your take on this, Ben. Is the is this the year, 2024, is this the end of hashtags? Because not to be dramatic or anything, but with people using hashtags less and less on Instagram and now obviously threads they don't use a hash for their tagging purposes. They only use just like the word. Mm. And then now TikTok recently released a restriction on hashtag search in Creative Center. So what this means to anybody who is kind of confused on this is TikTok has removed the capacity to search for a specific hashtag within its Creative Center tools. So this will actually limit your capability to get insight into really popular or certain hashtags that are really trending at the moment. So you can add those to your TikToks, but now those are completely gone. Yeah. I don't think that's a dramatic statement at all. I do think that it was trending this direction. And I think that the desire to get rid of them has finally reached the point where it intersects with where the technology allows them to finally do that. Because it was really a point of targeting content towards people that actually wanted it, but people didn't really use it appropriately. And so you don't really want that power in the creator's hand oftentimes because they misuse it, right? Like they they mislabel content and then that creates a bad user experience. So if the AI is there to go through content and just know that this is what it is, it kind of makes sense to remove that from the creator's hand. Plus it also removes the stuffing of them. Like on TikTok, I still see people do this, but those stuff like 40 irrelevant hashtags just in there. And that just makes it harder for the platform to determine what the content actually is and who to show it to. And so if if TikTok is leaning more into search, this actually makes more sense to me. I think for an outsider's perspective, it might sound counterintuitive, but I think it makes a ton of sense because they want the best quality content to rank higher in search, not just who optimized it the best. Yeah. And I was noticing the other day, somebody like there's a bunch of creators that keep sharing like a certain video. I can't remember if it's actually from Instagram creators page. Yeah. But there's a video going around being shared everywhere on Instagram where it's like, stop keyword stuffing your Instagram captions because this actually is hurting you, et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't know how that could really hurt you when you're trying to, yes, keyword stuffing 
completely can be useless and kind of look weird when you're reading it. Mm. But if you're using them in like really specific ways or targeting a keyword and like, I don't know, just not aggressively targeting the keyword, but like very subtly targeting it. I don't think that's an issue. No, I, I don't, I don't think so either. But what I do think is that a lot of people don't take the time to do it appropriately. Right. And so they, they obsess over the idea and they don't, they don't deal with the execution. Well, like you, you and I know that if you put in keywords, it helps the whole platform, put it in the right places. But a lot of people take things so literally mm-hmm. and they end up sounding like a robot. And so I think that if like the cost benefit <laughs> analysis, where it's like, would you rather have more keywords and sound like a robot or less and sound like a human? I think the latter is the better yeah. option. I think the perfect medium is sounding real and also including keywords, but that's proven to be kind of hard for people. So that's probably why they're leaning towards the other. Yeah. And then people are always, they're also talking about using AI tools. Obviously, AI really kicked off last year. It's going to continue to grow tremendously this year, especially with Facebook's new release, prediction release that they released earlier this week. And people are like, well, if I use an AI tool and I tell them a specific keyword, the AI tool is the one that sounds robotic. And But the thing is, you use AI tools to help you to kind of gauge you into a good direction. And then you are the one who makes that AI caption sound more human because you are the human behind the entire Instagram account, the entire TikTok account, all of it. So if you're thinking, oh, well, this keyword that I used and this AI tool that I used, they're the ones who told me to do this. No, (laughs) you have the power to change what it says. So actually go through and make sure it sounds human. Yeah, I think a big trend that will come in addition to AI is the fact that I do think that there will be a tagging system in the very near future between like human and AI content. And I think human content will be rewarded more, not just because of viewer feedback, but I think that that matters. Like if you remove that completely, it's kind of like a dystopian future in the content world. And so I I really hope that takes place. And I think that it will, because we just posted a video, which was a summary of the head of YouTube talking about what's coming this year. And a big topic of discussion was AI and the tagging system, because they really haven't changed their tagging system in YouTube in terms of flagging stolen content for like a very long time. And so with this new technology, they're going to have to completely change this and how they do that. I don't know, but I do think there will be a difference between the two. And I'm grateful as a creator because it's kind of ridiculous. Like it takes the creation out of creating content. If it's strictly AI driven. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like becomes robots talking to robots. Well, and I know Facebook or Meta, they've currently released, I think it's a test, it's still not completely released to everybody, where it will flag or it has like a little star next to AI created content. So when you're scrolling, you can see that, okay, this message or like this picture is AI Mm. and it's not from somebody's own brain and imagination. I love that. It's it's needed because... You and I can spot the difference between AI content right now, but it's getting closer and closer to the point where even yeah. we as experts <laughs> wouldn't be able to. And I don't like, I don't love that because it's it's so disingenuous. And I, I get like, I think a lot of people take content strictly from a marketing perspective. And I think they compromise on brand sometimes. But then the other side of that coin is like, if you people forget things because they consume so much. So even if you tarnish your brand, will they even remember that you did that? Like, like there's so many questions that comes yeah. with just your volume of content. But I, I really think that they'll have to do some things for for privacy. And also, really good point is knowing what you're looking at, too, as a consumer. Because you could think something's real, 
and then it could destroy your entire view. And there's the implications of that are crazy. So yeah, AI is, is here to stay, but hopefully we get better at dictating how it's used. Absolutely. And I, I'm not going to remember the name of the brand and I'm trying to find it currently, but it's probably going to take me a bit. And if I can't find it, I'll link the article in our show notes. But there is a company that is currently, it's a branding agency, and they actually have an AI content creator that they have made an Instagram for, a TikTok for, all these different things that creates content for their branding partners. Mm -hmm. And their AI content creator has like over 100,000 followers, and it helps them create content quicker. And for some reason... And I, and as a flick, like we use AI, we love AI. We think AI is really great for streamlining your workflow, making sure that everything goes smoother and easier for you. And AI is very important. However, there's something a little dystopian about a content creator, like being AI and this agency getting a bunch of money and funding for this content creator that they developed. I completely agree with you, but I don't see a world where it doesn't continue because it is the perfect brand partner. They work 24 seven. They're completely brand safe. Like it's the perfect partnership. And you think about it, I guess it's not really that different from like a cartoon, right? Like if you think I loved Pokemon as a kid, if Ash Ketchum yeah. had a YouTube channel, I would totally subscribe to that as a kid. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> I, I get it as a business perspective, like that, that makes complete sense. Where I'm more concerned about like, because like that, that doesn't worry me that much if it's in that realm. But where I'm seeing it scarier is how yeah. people are creating like very sexualized versions of AI people and like creating like AI girlfriends and boyfriends. Like that to me is where the line should be drawn. Yeah. And people are, I've seen tons of videos yeah. on YouTube of people teaching how to make a business where you create a fake person, you start making content oh, and then no. they, they integrate it with other chat bots so that these people pay to talk mm -hmm. to this fake person. Like that is absurd to me. Like that should not even be legal in my opinion. Welcome to 2024. <laughs> like that's crazy. If, this is what I mean. Like people, we, we get so numb. I think it's important sometimes to step back and see how quickly things change. When you're there for the whole path, yeah. you forget where you were a few years ago. But if I, if I sat you down, Mackenzie, and said that that was taking place even five years ago, you'd look at me like I was insane. Yeah. Now it's I would. And... <laughs> I still think it's a bit insane that it's still happening. <laughs> it is completely insane. Oh, God. But I did find, so Meta's new disclosure requirements for digitally altered ad content are actually in effect now. Cool. So right now, it's just for political ads that have been digitally altered, but I'm sure that it's going to continue for all ads that have been like doctored through AI. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's going to be all content one day, but this is just like the starting point of them kind of dipping their toe into being like flagging things that are AI. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's definitely so. a trend in the right direction. And I also think that another trend that we can talk about, which we didn't, we didn't tee this up, but I think that we've talked about this a bunch last year was UGC. That was obviously like, that was a big trend. And I think from an advertising perspective, I think mm -hmm. that's going away. I was talking with one of my friends who runs a very big agency an ad agency. And he was basically saying how it just doesn't convert like it used to. Cause I mean like anything, it was beaten to a pulp oh. and now people are very numb to it. So I think like the, cause everyone wanted to be a UGC creator. And so now there's a lot of really bad UGC creators. So I think that it could still probably work in practice, but you need the best of the best, which is usually how it goes when there's a flood of the market. So I think that's something that will be diminished in the 
2024. That's a really good point. Um, other things that have happened in the news is Instagram is now officially testing creating stories for your friends specifically. So this feels very much like Snapchat to me. And again, Instagram stealing ideas from Snapchat. I don't really understand the point of this, but again, maybe it's something that Gen Z is really on board with and like Gen A. Is it the next one? Gen A? Yeah, Gen A, yeah. Sorry, I had to stop you. I didn't even know that. If I'm going to send a photo to a friend. Yeah, there you go. Gen Alpha. Wow. That's who they are. Yeah, go ahead. If you're sending a photo. Yeah, if I'm going to send a photo to somebody, I would just send it through Instagram or not Instagram, through messaging. Mm -hmm. Like I would just text them. But maybe this is my millennial 32-year-old brain. I think that's what we're used to, right? Is that I would do the same thing. But I think that the younger people, we had my sister on, she said this too, is that they're they're very accustomed to the temporary nature of that exchange, right? And so they, they like yeah. that, they're accustomed to it. I think it's kind of problematic because they don't put as much thought behind it because there's not usually the long-term penalties or at least perceived long-term penalties of doing that. But it's just the way that they interact. Yeah. So I think 100%, you're right, they're targeting the younger people and trying to poach them off of Snapchat because the hours that my sister and her friends spend on Snapchat could be way better monetized because that's actually the biggest problem that I'd say Snapchat has as a platform is that when people are just like doing mm. this, they don't really make money. But if, if Instagram were to do it and incorporate it like this, it's an advertising opportunity because it would be in the flow of story ads. So it actually makes complete sense. If they could shift that over here, it makes sense. Well, and it could be a good opportunity for brands or content creators to add it to their subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So like, hey, you'll get five images straight from me to you every single month. And that's like an additional price on your subscription. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and on that note of more intimate experiences, I really think that communities and community driven tools that are more exclusive will be a massive influx in 2024. And uh, I think it was JT Barnett who talked about this, that he thinks that ads are going to go away from trying to reach the mainstream and instead pay for to be featured on like close friends stories and stuff like that. I think that creators have oh. not been very good at growing their communities and from an exclusive nature. And I think that the tools that people yeah. are giving, like the platforms are giving people speaks to the fact that they know this is coming. Like how many more of Instagram's latest features have been about that, right? Like what was that thing called where the channel, the fact that you can make your own channel and the emergence of close friends things. Oh yeah, the broadcast channel. Yeah, yeah. it's far more intimate community-based things. And on and all of these companies that are building community-driven tools are exploding. Like, have you heard of School, S with S-K-O-O-L? No, it's that. So it's essentially like a community-driven platform that Sam Ovens, if you remember him, he was consulting.com guy. And this was his first product and it has blown up from a community-driven platform. It's a lot like Discord, but a little more structured. And it just got a ton of money from Hermosi, which I'm sure you've heard of him. And he just bought into it as well. Yeah. So I do think that that is, communities is something that people talk about. And I do think it's coming in a big way. Because it's, it's kind of like the perfect combination of you get tailored content, but you also get the human interaction. Whereas previously, you just get the content so you can find whatever content you wanted. But now you're finding at scale people that align with you too. That's such a good point. And like you said, I don't think there's a lot of creators. There's a couple of creators that I follow that really do focus on their audience mm. and their community and building that community where they do like Q and A's every week. They do little like 
they add a couple people, like a couple of their followers into their close friends story for like a week. That's cool. Just to kind of give them that like little insight into their life. And then they'll kind of like remove them after a bit. And I think that's so important because one of the girls, her name is Claudia Cloud, who I absolutely love her and I will actually link her in the show notes. I think she does such a great job of building her community because she really does she comments on every single basically comment that she gets on her reels and her post. She always responds to DMs. She's really, really active and engaged with her community. And she has really high engagement because of yeah. that. She really does establish like kind of like a parasocial relationship with the people that follow her. And she works with really big brands now because they're seeing they how it. engaged her audience is. And we've talked about this last year, but 2024 is definitely going to be the year of the micro influencer Mm -hmm. because they are the ones that usually have the most engaged audience. And they're usually the ones that are kind of, I hate like saying this, but they're the usually ones who are the most grateful working with brands because they know how important it is. And they usually are more creative. I've learned that people with a smaller following are way more creative than people who have like mass amount of following, but they don't engage with their audience. Yeah, that they're, they're, they haven't developed the diva thing. And I also think that the success paradox hasn't set in where people who find success in one lane, they, they can't verge from that and they get so t- attached to that. It's a very, very real yeah. thing. And I think that with all these tools being given to you, not only just from like, optics point of view is it really good to communicate with your audience but also from a financial like to make money like a big thesis for like my agency was the lifetime value of a customer right and that's like our whole focus everyone's so obsessed with getting more and more new people in and they're missing out on turning the lifetime value of their follower into so much more because like i will spend yeah all the money i have on certain things that i love and i think people discredit that too much where it's like oh people won't buy more and more and more you have no idea the limits to what people will spend on the things that they love so going deeper Absolutely. is actually a potential route to making way more money rather than just taking the sheer growth route, which everyone is obsessed with. And I think that you lose people in the shuffle doing that. Well, for sure. Like people who are like super into photography, people who are really into like a certain clothing brand, mm. they're actually going to spend way more money on those things if you give them exactly what they're wanting. So somebody who's like into photography, they're going to buy different pieces of their camera. They're going to buy new pieces. They're going to talk to friends about different things with their camera. Like you said, it's like if you pick a lane and you stick to it for a little bit and really hone in on what your audience wants from you, you're going to get so much more from that audience. It's also a hack to make better content because as we've talked about a bunch of times in this pod and through other content, the importance of understanding your ideal follower avatar, that can be kind of hard because you're trying to talk to who you once were and we adapt so quickly and we forget who we once were. Whereas here you get like one-to-one interaction as to what that person's currently experiencing. And so then that's also going to help shape your future content to speak far more directly to them. So it's like, it's a hack all the way across the board. It's, it's the, the whole Gary V piece where it's like, do things that don't scale to help you scale. And I think that that's a, a huge mindset yeah. shift that's coming this year and should be here now. And as we're talking about it, it was already a focus for myself, but it's like, I'm underlining it mentally. So I was like, I really need to focus on on the community piece. Will you say his quote again? Because I think it's so important for people to really hone in on. Yeah. So doing things that don't scale help you scale. So an example that he would give is that when he was first starting his business, he would reply to like every DM or every reply on Twitter, much like Mackenzie was saying that some creators really do. And even beyond that, he would 
go above and beyond. You know what? Like we talked about this with Taylor Swift too. And she did this. I think it's a huge reason Mm -hmm. is that he would go above and beyond for clients or for random followers. If he saw, so the one example that he's made famous was that he had one client who bought like a small order from him, uh, from his wine shop. And he saw on Twitter that he was a massive bears fan. So with that order, he went and bought a signed Jersey of their quarterback and sent it with the wine. It was a net loss, like a huge loss. And the guy didn't even really thank yeah. him. So he's like, Oh, like whatever, whatever. Like it is what it is. I'm so happy I did it. He then gets a massive, massive, massive order, not from him, but from his friend who said that he got sent there because of the Jersey thing. And then in the massive order, he's like, I'm a huge, I forget what it was oh, like wow. Jets fan or whatever. So it's like that spoke to yeah. the fact that it always comes back. And so I think that if you adopt that mindset, you're going to win. Oh, I love that. I think that's so important. And I, yeah, 2024. We get too obsessed. We as marketing people are very guilty of this. We get too obsessed with analytics, but sometimes it's the things that you can't see, the human part of it, that actually can bring you crazy levels of growth. But just it's it's down the line. It's, it's a lot like you like you're trying to change your body. The things that you do today depending on how long you do them dictates what you see in the future, but it's delayed gratification. I think the same is true with building a community or growing a business. The longer that you can do these positive things, the bigger the payoff will be eventually. And those that win the biggest have the biggest patience. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's important for everybody to remember. And I think, like you said, we, I'm, you're guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. We get so stuck on the numbers and not seeing the growth there. And especially when you're working with clients mm-hmm. and they're coming back to you and they're like, well, why hasn't this scaled or why hasn't this grown? Blah, 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 blah. And I think that just seeing metrics not go up is really heartbreaking, but really engaging with your audience and knowing exactly what your audience wants from you. I think that's way more important than seeing those vanity metrics. I think it's a Venn diagram and you should look for clients that understand this. It's a Venn diagram of like three things between like data driven performance brand and then like goodwill because like if if you do those three things like that's what you should be focusing on and oftentimes one won't directly contribute to the other right away but i do think they all intersect and the people that Mm -hmm. focus on those three and understand that that's what matters like that's a perfect client because they understand that everything is feeding and it might not always be instantly tangible but it comes back absolutely what else do you want to chop it up on so And this goes into what Meta and Instagram, but we kind of talked about this a little bit before we got on this call, Mm -hmm. but I think it's really an interesting tidbit that we are both kind of looking out for. So Instagram and Facebook, they released their 2024 predictions and trends. And you kind of touched on something that has been in the back of my, my mind for a long time, and that's Instagram and Facebook making up these trends. And I have kind of seen this a little bit and it's always been in the back of my mind, but I've never really actually talked to somebody about it. But seeing things on TikTok, so I did this example to you, but the clean girl trend was such a big thing on TikTok all of last year. And that's basically like very minimal makeup, like bougie aesthetic, but looks like very like your expensive luxury or like quiet luxury or whatever it was called. And now this year from like, and legitimately it was within like two days of January. It was like, forget clean girl aesthetic. This year is going to be mob wife aesthetic. And it's going to be about all like the bold colors and like fur coats and like just not caring about anything. And I was thinking, 
TikTok is doing this. Mm. TikTok has chosen very specific people and has maybe put money behind these different videos to make this a trend. And you were saying that you feel like Instagram does the exact same thing, which I'm sure they do, because with their trend talk, it's very much about like fashion, like the top fashion trends are thrifting and buying vintage. And both of us were like, but Shein is the number one like fashion company in the world. And it's disposable clothing. Yeah. So I don't know really what I'm saying with this, but I just, I find this topic so interesting and I really haven't had anybody to talk to about it. Yeah, it, it is quite fascinating. I think that it speaks to the ability to manipulate at scale, especially when these both these platforms have come out and said, TikTok more explicitly, but they said that they heat and cool content based on human beings making these conscious decisions. And so if, if say Instagram or TikTok, understanding they have this full capability and take advantage of it, they want to set these trends. There, who, who knows who's pushing this? Like who, who's to say there isn't some sort of brand partner influence in the background saying like, if this trend existed, this would be great for us. So you go and, and create that it, pretty easily. Like, it wouldn't even take that much money because if Instagram or TikTok directly wants to partner with a creator, a creator 9.9 .9 times out of 10 is going to say yes. So then you already have their attachment to it, which helps. And then you can even just boost organic content. So yeah, like we were talking about this earlier uh, about if you want to see the Gen Z report that Instagram put out for 2024 Instagram trend talk, uh, we'll link that in the show notes. But all these trends that I'm seeing, I'm like, there's no way that just organically is happening because I have a sister who's Gen Z and none of these things, like, like literally none of these things are a thing at all. So like in fashion and beauty, the big trends they see coming is buying less new clothes. Abby buys so many clothes every freaking week and so do her <laughs> friends. So like, and I think that they're a decent sample size. Repeating outfits, she literally talks about how she hates wearing the same clothes out all the time. So shopping local. Oh no. They're not shopping local because they don't have the money to shop local. Uh, and for thrifting and or shopping secondhand online or IRL, that might happen. That's the one I could kind of see happening because more and more yeah. apps are getting better at building a community about swapping clothes. So that's one thing I could maybe see happening. But apart from that, they're just making this up. Yeah, I I will see the thrifting, I think. And I'm – and I love that they put Gen Z when I feel like it's – and again, like I'm only hanging out with millennials mm. because I'm a millennial and all my friends are that. But I feel like we're doing this. And I just haven't seen a lot of Gen Z do yeah. this. I feel like consumerism is so big online, especially for younger generations. And maybe this will be a thing that's being switched because I have noticed a couple of TikToks um, recently talking about how they think that the end of content creators is going to happen in 2024, which I find really interesting. Um, I find that a really interesting topic that people are doing. De-influencing was a huge thing last year that kind of started at the end of the mm -hmm. year where people were like, let's de-influence this. This Dyson hairdryer was the worst like thing that I bought this year. And I do think that consumerism and like overconsumption, especially with everything with the Stanley cups, like people going crazy for Stanley cups at target, like they're getting robbed, like all these different things. I think people are kind of seeing, I don't know, maybe the craziness that comes with cons like too much overconsumption. We sh we'll see. It's interesting. I think like people do love buying things. I don't think that's going away, <laughs> but I think you're right. Like it is kind of crazy and it, it reaches wild levels of it but within the, the trend report the next section was dating and friendships and the big 
focus was on X. And I think that's so, that concept has just become so funny. <laughs> and they wonder why everyone's single. It's because everyone has a list of X yeah. that's like 40 pages long. But yeah, so it says Gen Z is as single as ever with 63% of respondents stating their relationship status as being single. So it's like, that's pretty insane that the vast majority are single. And the major X for across the country, countries are chewing with your mouth open. That's fair. I think that's I don't know if that's an ick. It's just kind of gross. Yeah, that's yeah, very fair. a bad sense of humor or taste <laughs> in memes. Taste in memes. <laughs> See, like but that's that, that's like this is not totally marketing related, but that's actually when everything is existing online, you don't really get a true sense of someone's sense of humor besides yeah. that. So, like that, that kind of makes sense. That, that would come in. That would be the equivalent of "I love a funny guy." Is that now? I love a good meme sender. Like, is is that like the equivalent now? Honestly, I'm thinking about this, and I have had people in the oh no is this me i have had people in the past send me memes and i was like ew like they think that's funny you got the ick from a meme i don't know if it was like a specific ick but i was just like if this is this guy's humor then we're just not gonna get on yeah no i guess it's not really any different from like a joke in person exactly so and like like you said everything's online now so i can get i can understand the bad sense of humor and like taste in memes I can, I can get that one. I can, I'm on board with that. I've changed my mind. I'm on board with but that. But I think what, the bigger issue here <laughs> to, towards singleness and everything is that we have such easy access to filtration of people. Like there, there are so many things now that people have to go through to get into our lives now because of how easy it is to keep them at bay and how many opportunities they have to screw up, right? Like, because for example, like I have a friend of mine yeah. who sends me the weirdest memes I've ever seen in my entire life. But he is a fantastic human being. And had I had those memes beforehand, I probably wouldn't have become as good of a friend as with him. But like, and that's just how flawed I, I think it, it is because we as humans, we're kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah, it, it's just very easy to get the ick nowadays, seeing as it's it's in the trend report. Yeah. The other three were dirty fingernails, well, uses a baby voice and follows their ex on Instagram. Honestly, that one's fair too. Yeah. I would feel weird about that if I was like dating somebody and they still followed their ex and like liked their photos or whatever. I would just be like, mm, something's not right here. Yeah, some people have different opinions on that. I'm very much like, okay, it's done, it's over. It doesn't need to exist in my current existence. But some people, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to touch that because people have very strong opinions on that. They do. They definitely do. I think you need time apart from the relationship and then maybe maybe a year, two years later, you're, you can follow them again. But I think there needs to be space. A cooling off between. period. Yeah, a cooling off period. But yeah, so and then, then lifestyle, we had self-improvement or development, which I think that's yeah. fair. I think everybody's looking to, especially at the beginning of the mm -hmm. year, I think that everybody is always looking to improve on themselves. Lucky, which I don't really understand that one. Is that like manifesting? Yeah, that seems very broad. Yeah, that's a weird one. And then being unapologetically myself, which I kind of, I like that. I usually love the foundations of people saying that. However, there has been more of a trend of people like can't like, and this, this could just be a me thing, but like being okay with like canceling on people and they're like, Oh, I'm just being myself. Like I should be able to cancel or there's just like, there comes a rudeness sometimes when people are being quote unquote unapologetically themselves. And I think that there's like a very like fine line on something like that. I could not agree with that more. I'm not gonna go too deep into that. Cause I'm sure I'll trigger people. But like, <laughs> I do think that we have given so many excuses for just being a shit human being with all of these things of like, 
I'm just being me or I'm looking out for my mental health. It's like, no, you're just being an asshole. Like there yeah. is some, a, a degree of that where that still exists. I just think that now it's, but I think the pendulum always swings. Right. And so I do think that as crazy as things have been, I'm sure it will come back and it'll probably be too much the other way. You know what I mean? But I think yeah. the, the best thing is just trusting your moral compass and understanding like, would this piss you off doing that to someone? And if the answer is yes, then you're probably being a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Always ask within yourself. But then there's a couple other ones. So celebrities, obviously TV shows, musicians, video games. Those are like the top ones for celebrities and fandom. And then the last one's activism. But I feel like every generation, like the younger you are, you're always going to be more and more active, especially in politics and spreading like social awareness. So that's absolutely fair. Totally agree with that. I I have two trends (laughs) that I think are coming that are huge. I think lower produced content is going to see a massive improvement or like a performance wise on YouTube, like all these pretty curated platforms. I think that, that like way less produced, way more raw and organic content is going to do better. A great example is Sam Sulik in the fitness community. I think he like is a prime example. His thumbnails are trash. His titles are trash, but he's (laughs) just there every day. And the content is pretty good. So like that I think is coming and I'm going to try to jump in on that. And the other thing I think is massive and only growing is live streaming. I think live streaming is only going to continue to grow. There's a guy on Barstool who went live for like 36 hours and the YouTube channel gained 70,000 subscribers during that live stream. Holy shit. (laughs) That's absurd. Like that is genuinely crazy. I've noticed this more and more. There's more people. Not, I don't think there's more people. Sorry. There's the few people that are going live on Instagram that I've noticed recently. I actually click their lives, which I never used to Mm. do in the past when people were going live on stuff. And I was like, eh, whatever. But now that I'm seeing it, I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And then I'm watching it. And I was like, oh, I forgot about this person entirely that I followed them. Yeah. And now I'm clicking over to their profile, seeing what they're about, like seeing what's going on. So I can definitely see see that being a huge trend this year. Last piece on this, and then I want to hear from you, is that it also, it makes further content creation so easy. Because if you have this very long organic raw thing, chances are there's going to be some peak moments. And the awesome thing is like YouTube, they even show you and people went back and rewatched. So the big thing I'm seeing with podcasts this year is what they do is they physically go look at the retention chart and they're like, this is a clip. YouTube is telling you this is a clip that will perform. So all you got to do is go back in the live stream, see where there were peaks, cut that out, make it a new piece of content. And you just made more money and grew more. You know what? Maybe we should just start filming these live on YouTube. That would be dope. <laughs> we could just do that. Going back to what you were kind of saying about being raw and authentic, I think that's massive because I think people are just tired of the over-curated lifestyle pieces that people have been performing on Instagram for since 2010. And... I kind of noticed this with our own Instagram on Flick. It's I haven't been doing curated thumbnails on things. I've just been kind of doing like interesting, like off the cuff content on there. And we've grown significantly since we've done that. And I was like, oh, people just want us to share good information and they don't give a shit what it looks like. They're just wanting that information. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it totally dem- like matters what your intended purpose is for the content. I do think there will always be a place for very high, highly curated, highly polished content. But I think for like 100%. ease of or transfer of information, it's what's the simplest, most effective way of getting this out there in the easiest to consume way. And I think that that's a prime example. And you're going to be rewarded for the value that you deliver as 
beaten down as that word is. And sometimes the value is the simplicity. Absolutely. So then, so that was Instagram. Facebook was the last one that we were going to be talking about today. And their 2024 predictions and trends for Facebook. The first one is messaging will help businesses get more done. So what they mean by this is that Mm -hmm. people want to communicate with businesses the same way they communicate with family and friends by sending a message. So getting into your DMs, getting on your Facebook messenger, all that kind of thing, that's going to be massive for businesses this year. Completely agree. Yeah. And it's actually never been easier to set up a very sophisticated chat bot into your DMs as well. That sounds pretty human-like. So, and it's not even that expensive anymore. So I do think that that's going to become a bigger and bigger trend, even for like local small businesses, right? Because if you have that kind of support, that kind of goodwill travels so quickly. And so if, if, if there's like five mechanics in your city, but the one answers great questions immediately, that's going to become the go-to spot. Yeah. Well, and especially on Facebook, you can actually, if you get frequently asked questions, you can actually set up frequently mm-hmm. asked questions on your Facebook Messenger. Right there. Whenever, yeah. And so whenever people ask like one of those questions, it'll automatically send and that's free of charge. That's included in Facebook's own creative tools. Yeah. And a lot of these things you just got to set up once and let them sit. But a lot of businesses, they're so focused on just being in the business that they don't do these little things that could have a very long impact in terms of just being there and helping people have a better experience. Because that really matters. Like I think about that stuff all the time when I go and spend money. I think about, did I enjoy this experience? Like, would I come back here if I have to spend this kind of money again? Like, I think about that all the time. And I think people do, whether they're conscious of it or not. And that's really what dictates how long a business can thrive. Absolutely. Um, the second one that you were talking about is creative natively built for reels will drive better campaign performance. So what this means is over 200 billion reels plays per day across Instagram and Facebook reels will continue to turn attention into action. So businesses will continue to meet new and existing customers where they consume content with strong creative built natively for reels to get better campaign performances. So all of that blah, blah, blah verbiage basically means create more reels for your ad campaigns and you're going to see a lot more people coming through the door. Absolutely. Makes complete sense. That's where the attention is. Yeah. And then the last one is a new era of AI digital experiences will unlock results. So we all know that Meta is going gung-ho on AI. So their generative AI tools will help businesses create and scale ads quicker and more effectively. I have actually used their generative AI to create ads before, and it is so helpful. And it really kind of hones in on who your audience is, what kind of how they want to be messaged to. So Meta will actually give you different copy ideas and you can take all their copy ideas and just do A-B testing on them and see what works for you. And it'll continue to take off and really help your ads. So I highly, highly recommend using their generative AI tools for ads. And that's pretty much all we've got this week. I think that was a lot. I think that 2024 (laughs) is going to be a year of transition for a lot of people in the social media space. And I think that if you were to take notes from this episode and actually implement the things. Cause that's the biggest thing is that implementation is everything because of how fast things move. Like if you don't, if you understand something in theory, but don't, don't apply it in practice, then by the time you decide to do it, it's done. It's over. It's the next thing. And so you, you see that people that get disproportionate returns is they actually double down on the things that are happening right now. And then they adapt when the next thing comes, but they actually did. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ben. And as ever, 
If you guys all like this episode and you want to hear more of it, please subscribe to us and give us a five star because it helps other people find us as well. You can also find us over on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, X, which is also Twitter, because I still call it that. We are at flick.social. Ben makes incredible YouTube videos. He's just had a recent YouTube video, which he talked about earlier in the episode, breaking down what the head of YouTube has said that is coming to YouTube this year. Anything else that we should plug? No, I guess on the note of the YouTube channel as well, I'm working on the video that would be a a lot longer, but it'll be very informative. And it's basically start from zero on, uh, on social media in general. We have an interview coming out with a friend of mine who grew from zero to 30K in 30 days on TikTok. Amazing. There's a lot of people and that's followers. And so a lot of people think that's not possible. And he literally did it. I, I was like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he did all of it and it worked. So I think that that's something that will be great to see that comes out next week. And then the full course thing that I'm working on will come out in a few weeks. It's going to be pretty long, but it will be very helpful. So if you listen to this and you're struggling with just getting off the ground, those two videos will come out, will help out a lot. And so go over to YouTube, click subscribe, hit the bell button so they actually tell you when it's live. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for talking to me and we will talk to you all again in two weeks. Bye. Peace.